welcome back to Better Ideas. I hope you've had a great week. I'm architect Pete Calhoun, and this week we're still running, or perhaps I should say conserving energy with sustainable living. We're continuing the sustainable living conversation. Now, for me, it's not just about food and the environment, although I'm learning heaps. This weekend, we're talking to Michelin star chef Bruno Lambert. He's back giving his tips on how to cook what's in the garden. Here's a better idea. Get a pen and paper handy because he talks at 100 mile an hour, but it's worth writing down every utterance. That's Bruno Lambert. He's coming back. Plus, my mate Tone Wheeler from Inverona Design. He's back with some money saving tips with solar panels. Hold it. Hi, Graham. Hey, Pete. How are you, mate? Well, Graham Rose just walked in. He's from Better Homes and Gardens. Glad you're here. <laughs> My producer, Loretta, has just I handed noticed. me. Mate, I saw these on the socials last night. Well, they're... And I know you're a clever bloke. If I can just jump in before you get going. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can save you from throwing it over the back fence. What I'm holding in my hand are seeds. Mm. I feel a bit like Jack and the Beanstalk. I've been right. left with these seeds. A tomato, <laughs> carrot, sweet basil, and capsicum. Tell you what I'm trying to achieve, right? I'm trying to get Lorette <laughs> off my back because she goes, you can't grow anything. I throw down the challenge. Yep. And I've been told by Bruno LeBur that a lettuce is probably the simplest thing you can possibly have a stab at. Yes, he's right. It is simple and it gives back almost instantly. Lettuces from seed, yes, but also lettuces from um, wherever you get your veggies from. You know, they often come in like the little bouquets. Mm -hmm. Mate, pop that straight back into a glass of water or even a jar, mason jar, whatever you want it to look like, and harvest from the top because all of those things are grown hydroponically. So you don't really necessarily have to have your own veggie garden to have lettuce. Uh, lettuce and your basils and your mints and all those oh, things, coriander, oh, parsley. Wait, 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 wait. So you're, you're telling me that I can go to a fruit shop, a bit of lettuce left over, which has got the root in it, and put it in a bowl mm-hmm. and it's going to grow? Not forever, but you'll still get harvest out of it. And not everything's grown like that, but things that are quick growers, like your lettuce and things like that, that come in those little bouquets that are nicely wrapped, they have roots on the bottom. Uh-huh. So quickly get them back into a jar, cut off whatever you want for your salad, for your garnish, whatever. And that actually will help prune the plant, de-stress it, put it in a glass or a bowl or a jar of water and just sit it on your windowsill and see what happens. Really? There are several little plants like that that you can do that way without having to worry about, oh, geez, outside's not sun or it's full sun or it's windy. Or... Without, without even planting it. Yep. Because now, you think now I about do it, feel guilty. <laughs> because, because a lot of these are grown hydroponically. Right. Strawberries these days, even tomatoes. I'm not saying don't try. Mm outside stuff yeah because not everything that you want to eat will grow hydroponically sure some other stuff you know like your basils like your times like your sages when you get them in a little bouquet they might have a you know a couple of little roots at the base of them give them a go but for me i would cut them and you can even put those little stems in a little glass for them to root and plant them I'm writing down lettuce you're you're, you're limitless you actually pete calhoun yep. has no excuse or reason to fail no pressure <sighs> Okay, that's all right. That's okay. So, all right, lettuce. I'm going to uh, t- take a big swing at this now. So, lettuce. What What was the other thing you reckon is going to grow on grow on the windowsill? I think if you give basil, basil, parsley, even celeries. All right. So, I've got that bacon away on the windowsill. Yep. Now, I've got a pretty average front yard, backyard. Do I need special soil? What do I need to do to sort of? I need pot plant. The thing is with veggies and and everything that we eat, they are survivors. They've been around since the first. You know, yeah. Rock Ape was clever enough to go, oh, that actually tastes good. I'm going to keep that close to the That's house. Mate, yeah. so, they, yeah. so, so they will survive. Yes, they will grow in pots. But what pots do that a soil won't give it, it'll cook. You're basically, you're limiting the root system. So whatever it's doing on the top, 
plants need to do mm -hmm. under the surface. Mm -hmm. So if you're mm -hmm. asking it to produce a heavy crop, heavy harvest, whatever, mm -hmm. well, you, you need those roots to run free. If you are growing your veggies in a pot, make sure the root system has the perfect amount of potting mix and room to grow. But what you will also need to do it, you'll need to fertilize it. You'll need to watch the water. Pots will restrict and only capture the water that you put into it. They're yep. not going to, you know, the roots in the ground will run and chase for water. Whereas in a pot, they won't. So in pots, put them in a saucer. If they're in terracotta, flocky real dry ones like capsicums and things like that, have them in terracotta. It looks a little bit better. Put them in a tray or even do some potting sealant. Mm -hmm. I'm confusing you now. No, I'm, I'm not. Okay. Down. Capsicum, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the pot, yeah. Yeah. Even try these seeds here. Direct sow these carrots straight into the top of your potting mix and cover them. Keep carrots. The cat, keep the yeah. neighbour's cat out of it. Yeah. Um, your basils. Have a go at your basils. Okay. Tomatoes, capsicums, chilies. Really easy from seed. Again, no pressure. No, not, not at all. So I've got I've got capsicum, carrots, basils, tomatoes, potentially chilies now in in the pot, right? In yep. a terracotta pot. You're recommending yep. a pot each. All right. Okay. I'm not even going to attempt to start digging up the front yard now because I, I you've <clears throat> given me options yep. of not having to do that. Yep. You don't believe I can do it, do you? I, I feel like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to say that I have faith in you. <laughs> if you fail, we'll blame it on the climate and blame it on the weather, <laughs> and we'll come back and we'll edit this before it goes to air. Yeah, sure. But, but I mean, I, I, I look, I'm looking at months, right? A couple of months to. Yeah, a couple see. of months. So the thing is, okay. with your lettuce, your parsley, and things like that, and celery that you're going to buy with that root system, yeah, harvest that instantly. Put it in a jar. Put yep. it in a cup. Put it in a bowl. Whatever. Only cover the root system. You don't need to cover the whole thing with water just yeah, the root the system, system yes. it's only the roots that need the water yeah and then just watch that and it's not going to give you a salad for your family within a couple of weeks but you'll be able to start harvesting off off that in within a month at least yeah i'm not rushing out there tomorrow morning and no. checking i can't and make sure that if it's on a windowsill that there's no it's not getting the sun through the window because that would be just like the microscope and the ant don't let it cook ah. so the stuff outside can take full sun yeah maybe not indirect sun there's a huge difference between full sun and indirect sun it's yeah. still light it'll respond to light but through glass it's going to affect it yeah. badly yeah it'll cook it okay yeah. Yeah. all right okay i've written all this down i'm telling you now i'm confident you can check back with me okay because we bump into each other all the time we do we do <laughs> i'm actually looking forward to the invite over for the salad <laughs> oh, <look at> <laughs> careful we wish for mate <laughs> good on you mate all the best I really enjoyed that chat with, with Graham Rowe, who's part of Jason Hodges' Better Homes and Gardens gardening team. What, what an incredibly talented bunch they are and passionate. So well done, Chase. You've got some fantastic people working up there and, and the results seen every week on Better Homes and Gardens. Now we're moving on with sustainability and getting back with Michelin star chef Bruno LeBeur, who's come out of the garden, brought the veggies in, and he's about to cook us something. Now listen, get your notepad out because there's plenty of great tips. Hello. How are you, mate? Good, good, thank you. Bruno, look, you've had a week to think about it. Last week we spoke about what we should be trying to grow in our garden. We're taking it now from the garden into the kitchen. What are you walking in with? What do we need to have before we start cooking? Some of the basic ingredients that we need from our garden to make some great recipes. Well, I mean, um, it all depends what you grow. But for me, for example, you know, if you grow, say, beetroot, you know, I like to treat things in a simple way. For me, vegetables doesn't need to be very complicated. Uh, I like to cook them in a simple way and always add bits and pieces to make it uh, to re-end the flavor, to change the flavor, to add unusual flavors. So usually I use a very simple technique. I would say, you know, old-fashioned technique, but I think they are the best, you know. For mm. example, if I cook beetroot, 
or carrots or anything like that, I don't even peel them. I have a special brush. I clean them very well uh, under the water because I know they haven't got any chemicals on it. They are from my garden. They may have a bit of soil. Okay, fine. I clean them and brush them very well. Everything goes. Then I put them in the oven, hot oven, on a tray, you know, with absolutely nothing. Mm. No seasoning, no oil, no nothing. And then they will cook. Beetroot, usually what I do, I wrap them in uh, greaseproof paper and cook them for a long time. You can, you know, with the skin on and everything. I don't peel it because if you peel it, they bleed. If they bleed, they lose flavors and the loss uh, of the nutrition things. Right. So then take them out when they are soft and that will take an hour, an hour and a half. Then I cut them in, in pieces, put it in a bowl. And then I cook some quinoa mixed in the bowl. I may put a boiled egg just to yeah. give a bit of color, extra uh, protein. It doesn't need to, but you could. Maybe some cheese. The famous accompaniment will be goat cheese, mm-hmm. uh, but it could be, uh, you know, grated parmesan. Mm-hmm. Feta is very good as well, uh, crumbled feta. And then some herbs. With the beetroot, the herbs will go very well. Will be tarragon, parsley, sage, a little bit, very little because it's very strong. And then some red onions, you know, same color, red onions, red beetroot. Mm-hmm. Slice very finely, put in there, and then I make a good dressing. So at home, I love vinegars, you know. For me, vinegars is an essential thing in the kitchen. So I choose my vinegar. So yeah. if, if it was with a beetroot, I would choose a fruit vinegar because fruit and beetroot are excellent. So maybe a, a raspberry vinegar, you know, something like that, and a good olive oil, salt and pepper, toss the whole thing, and then I have lunch. So for me, it's not about, it's not about, you know, <laughs> easy, isn't it? For me, it's not, <laughs> for me, it's not about, okay, you must do this, you must do that. You have to let it go. You have to feel it, you yeah. know? But use simple technique. Veg in the oven, baked, on the grill, brushed with a little bit of olive oil, maybe steam. Let me just hit pause on Bruno just for a second. He's just given us an exclusive beetroot salad recipe but i've done a bit of a google search and he's got one up online here it is you need 150 grams of baby beetroot raw half a bunch of flat leaf parsley half a red onion finely sliced half a garlic clove finely chopped one and a half tablespoons of balsamic vinegar one and a half tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil and one and a half tablespoons of walnut oil that's eight ingredients He's right when he says it's simple. So if you've got your notepad, just take that down or download the Acast app. And there's a, I've taken a snapshot for you. Let's put the apron back on and head back into the kitchen with Bruno. You're not wedded note to note to, to recipes. You, you, you think recipes should be a guide and, and you should feel it f- to your own taste. He used to, he used to have a very famous uh, chef in uh, France called uh, Alain Chapelle. Uh, he's dead now. One of his uh, big line was... Cooking is not only recipe, it's about your feelings. You have to have great products, and if you have your own growth, things you grow in your own garden, they will be great products because they have no chemicals, nothing on them. They have been grown with love, you know? Yes. <laughs> and then cook them simply, and then make it your own. So, Bruno, if you were going on a picnic in beautiful southeast Queensland, what would you be taking out in your perfect picnic basket? It's funny because when you say that at the same time, straight away, I can picture in my mind, the first time I went to a barbecue in Australia, yeah, right. you know, when I, when I arrived from Europe and I was invited to a barbecue in the park. <laughs> and, you know, for me as a chef and from Europe, and they tell you, okay, when you come there, you bring your own drinks in your esky <laughs> and uh, you bring something to put on the barbie. So I arrived with my esky and I was the first, you know, to put things on the barbecue. So I thought, oh, okay, maybe I start, I don't know where. I have this uh, asparagus, beautiful asparagus. And oh, how did that go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have fresh asparagus, you know, green asparagus. And um, 
and uh, I just toss them in a little bit of olive oil, put them on the barbie, nice crack of pepper, a bit of salt, you know, a little jug with a herb dressing, you know, with different herbs from the garden, which I bleach with olive oil. And I put a little bit of uh, shallots cut very finely and a hint of garlic, you know, very balanced, yeah. nice little uh, sauce there, the green sauce, you know. And then I have a uh, chicken, which I uh, slice very finely, marinate them, and I put them on the branch of uh, rosemary. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm going to grill these little kebabs, you know, really beautiful. And between, uh, the, between the slice of chicken, I put a leaf of uh, sage, you know, to give it extra flavors and mm-hmm. everything, you know. And uh, a little bit of the bacon, you know, the lard, you know, the, the fat of the bacon in between to <laughs> make sure they keep moist and beautiful. So I put this, yeah. and, then, and then the other people start to arrive and put this bloody sausage, which, you know, no. to me, like, uh, I don't know, I never see sausage like this, you know, <laughs> and um, on, on the barbecue, and everybody looked at me like I was coming from another planet, you know. You know, and then I realized that, you know, you, you don't do this, you know, you just barbecue is just to be together and have a drink it doesn't for them it doesn't really matter about the food you know and so and he doesn't answer your question which i don't remember <laughs> well bruno obviously you've been internationally awarded with with michelin stars and obviously schooled in queensland barbecues as well mate you've got it all covered let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> thank you i'm living the dream one final question if i may bruno if you were to prepare your last meal what would you be putting in front of yourself My last meal will be very simple. I will indulge myself with one of the chicken, one of my chickens, yeah. you know, which grows free range on the grass here on the, on the hill, and some vegetable from my garden. A nice, you know, selection of uh, roasted vegetable, you know, pot roasted vegetable, as I mentioned before, you know, with a bit of grated parmesan maybe, you know, and a lot of herbs at the last minute, and then a nice piece of sourdough bread homemade, and maybe a good bottle of red wine, French red wine, of course, you know, mm. and then. It's okay, I can go. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, mate. From Bordeaux to Brizzy. Bruno, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for sharing some of your insight into your passion and the focus on, on vegetables and how they really should be the leading course in, in any Australian meal now. Thank you very much. Can't go back in my garden now then. <laughs> Next up, my mate Tone Wheeler, the architect from Ven Verona Studio, with his tips on making the sun work for us with solar. Tone, can we try and untangle solar panels? Well, firstly, there's two things about people being concerned about energy, supply and demand. Everybody's been talking about demand management, you know, how to cut the cost, you know, not turning the heater on as much and so on. So we've had years and years and years of people being told to lower their demand for it, lower the bills. Now, in the last 10 years, there's been a rise of the ability to be able to supply energy to yourself by putting photovoltaics in, photovoltaic panels, literally meaning converting energy from the sun directly into electricity. We used to have an old form of of solar energy, which were solar thermal water heaters. People might remember the big mm. tank on the roof, yeah. you know, the big horizontal tank. My grandfather made one, I remember now. Yeah, well, they were an invention from Australians and Israelis. Well, they were one right. of the things that Australian inventions were fantastic after the Second World War, and we made those, but they never caught on. Now, if, if I'm looking at getting one, solar panel, I mean, a thousand different options, government rebates, where do you start? Well, there are a number of suppliers for these things, and they know the whole of the rigmarole. Yes, it's, it is a process because you're dealing with both physics and, and economics at the same time. You want to put them on the roof, then you need something that will 
roughly face north mm. um, and get some sun for it. You need to size it according to how much energy you can make in that area. Have you got trees overshadowing it and so on? And you want to size it for the size of the house that it is and the number of people living there. To give you a rough idea, five kilowatts is the power size that a set of panels on an average house might have. And if they were on for 10 hours, let's say, you've got 50 kilowatt hours of energy. Soaking up the sun. Soaking up the sun. Yep. Depends what you're paying for kilowatt hours, but you can easily work it out how much money you'd be saving by doing that. If I'm looking at putting how many, how many solar panels really do I need and what sort of investment do I need to put into this thing to, to cover my average energy costs? Well, that's the thing that most of the photovoltaic panels or PV panels that most of the suppliers can help you with. Every panel, by the way, is roughly a standard size. We've sort of settled on this thing that's one metre by 1,600. And they can be connected together. You can join them together. And you can do as little as, say, 500 watts or half a kilowatt all the way up to 20 kilowatts on a roof. It's sized for the number of people and what you're doing. Now, the key to this is you use the energy when it's available. So we're changing our hot water and we're changing our air conditioning. Let me explain on that one. On hot water, we now have hot water that you can make from a heat pump. You know, like an air conditioner mm -hmm. will pump heat from the outside of the house into the house, even in winter. Mm -hmm. So it takes a little bit of heat, aggregates it, and pumps it into your house and mm -hmm. makes it warm in winter. And then in summer, it does the reverse. It pumps heat out of the house and puts it outside. Hence, it's called a heat pump. Mm -hmm. You can get a heat pump to take heat out of the air and put it into a water tank. It's, it's quite amazing how that right. technology works. And for every kilowatt hour of energy you put into the pump, it puts four kilowatt hours of heating into the tank for the hot water. So everyone's swapping now away from gas. When, when people come to replace their hot water heaters in the next 10 years, everyone's going to be getting a heat pump hot water, not a gas hot water. Right. Now, if you've got some panels on the roof and they're making energy, put it in the water tank so that your hot water is free. Wow. And what that does, of course, is act as a battery. Because you're storing the hot water. Anything that stores energy, and hot water is mm. energy, mm -hmm. so it's virtually a, it's a form of battery. So that you get up in the morning, and yesterday's heat that was made by the sun through the photovoltaics is what you're washing with in the morning, mm. in your shower and, and so on, in the sink and so on. Fantastic form of battery. So ultimately, you know, homeowners in the near future will be almost self-sustainable, independent of the grid. I mean, that's obviously our aim. What sort of investment do you need to put in, do you think, to these things before you start to see a return? Most, most people get a return from these things in three to seven years. It really depends where you are. It's not instantaneous, but it depends how well you use it and how efficiently you don't try and give it back to the grid. You try and keep it in the house. Mm -hmm. Here's another idea. Let's say it's a hot summer day. Let's say we're average family, both parents working, kids are out of the house. It's a stinking hot day. What you do is you set your air conditioner to work in your house while you're out. So when you come home, four or five o'clock from school, six o'clock or seven o'clock from, from work, you're walking into a cool house. Mm. You don't have to turn the aircon on then. It's done all this work. It's made the entire house cool for free because it's been running. The hotter it is outside, the more sunshine there is, the more electricity is made, the more your air conditioning is running for free. Wow. So you could pre-cool the house. Pre-cool the house using the sun. Yes. 
You're reversing it. It's a heat pump. It's, heat, it's pumping heat out of the house using electricity for thermal mass, mm. as we like to call it. We techno-architects, right? Yeah, yeah. Simply meaning if it's got brick or it's got stone or something inside which will hold the kulf opposite of warmth, mm-hmm. right? You can come home to a house full of kulf. Now, kulf is, a, is an interesting term. I think you've even coined, Tone, instead <laughs> of warmth, kulf. Give us some take-home, Tone. If people are looking at solar panels putting on their roof, what are some of maybe the top three things they need to consider? If you've got a freestanding home, you're through to the semis without dropping a set. <laughs> if, you, if you want to put panels on, I'd recommend somewhere around five kilowatts is a good starting point. And you can always find a local supplier who can connect you up so that they can actually put the electricity that you don't use back into the grid, making you money. Tony, just explain that a little bit more. Keeping it at home, keeping the energy at home, what do you mean by that? The way in which the electricity supplier works is that they're going to sell you electricity at a certain price. And that price can go up and down depending on the time of day and so on. And then they buy electricity back from people who've got photovoltaic cells at a different price, at a lower price. So let's say for argument, just to keep it really easy, you're paying 20 cents a kilowatt hour. Many people are paying more, much more than that. But let's say you're paying 20 cents a kilowatt hour. Most likely the supplier is only paying you 10 kilowatt hours for the energy that you're putting back to them. Getting ripped off. Well, they then can sell it again at 20 cents. Their argument is, of course, that it's intermittent and they don't know where it is Mm. and they've got to do something with their excess energy and so on. So let's say you've made 20 cents worth of energy. You're better to keep it at home and use it than to sell it back to the grid at 10 cents and then buy it back again later on at 20 cents. Stop. As soon as it's made on the home, can you put it in the hot water system? Can you put it in the air conditioning? Can you put it in some storage like batteries and you keep it rather than giving it back to the grid. And maybe that's a brief you need to tell to your supplier, this is how I want it designed. I want to keep this energy here and I want to be selling it back. How do I achieve that? That's right. That's exactly right. So that your hot water service turns on when the sun comes out, your air conditioning turns on when the sun comes out. And as soon as you've filled up the water heater with hot water and as soon as you've made the house very warm in winter or very cool in summer you then start putting it into batteries that's where batteries come into play but that's another whole thing that i think mm. we're still three or five years away from having batteries be really economical for people to put in their house tone wheeler from in en- verona studios oh, i knew i'd get it out in verona <laughs> studios shedding some light on solar panels Well, I hope you've got some better ideas this week to make your life a little more sustainable. Now, next week, we're talking to another author, Sophie Henson, but with a difference. How food can actually slow your life down and create random acts of kindness with food and with cooking. It's inspired her new book, A Basket by the Door. Now, here's a random act of kindness. How about spreading the word on better ideas? Subscribe, tell your friends about it, and yep, I know I keep banging on about it. Download the Acast app and subscribe. That's how people find us. Jason Hodges next week also will pop in with some more garden tips for the winter, which may or may not include a fire pit and some marshmallows. Okay, I'm just going to give Joe a quick call. Joe? Hey, Pete. What's on the show this Friday night? I have a ball. I catch up with Conrad Sewell, who's you know, an incredible music talent, sort of burst onto the scene at a, at a really young age, had enormous success early on in you know, Bonarius and had some of the years several times over. 
went through a bit of a rough time in his personal life. He struggles with alcohol. I think mainly is what he sort of hinted towards in lots of different interviews and has come back and absolutely producing hit after hit. And part of his musical journey and personal sort of challenges that he's been through, it really made him actually stop and, and take stock of the success he'd had and everything he'd done in his life. So when we met him, we didn't meet him as we usually meet sort of musicians and amazing singers in studios or you know, walking around their gorgeous homes. We actually met him at a building site. Through his work with Sony Foundation, he part of a project where, where they're actually building uh, cancer treatment centres for teenagers to make it a bit friendlier, a bit you know, sassier, a bit funkier, places where they can actually have treatment and, and be doing that with their you know, family and friends. What was really lovely for us is, you know, here's this guy who's had enormous success, still a, a very uh, laconic sort of Aussie character, and wasn't just there to to talk the talk. You know, had a very deep connection with a couple of the patients who he always offers tickets to, and and he ends up doing a bit of a performance for for a number of, of teenage kids. So he, he was a real eye opener and an absolutely lovely guy. Hey, that, that that's this Friday night. You're in the middle of doing VR. You sound like you're a bit fluey. You all right? Oh, I just come back from Abu Dhabi. To be perfectly honest, so we hit the uh, hit the ground running over there, and it was an absolutely awesome trip, which we'll be able to tell you about in a couple of weeks' time. It was jam packed and really interesting stories. But I uh, sort of landed back on Monday and haven't stopped since. Straight so, back uh, into it. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you go then, mate. Hope you've enjoyed Better Ideas. Now, do subscribe, share, and tell your mates about our podcast and join all the team Friday nights on Better Homes and Gardens. Now, Better Ideas is a Seven West Media production. My producer and non-gardener is Loretta Farrell. The only grown-up on the show is the executive producer, and that's Nicola Hamilton. And I'm your host, Pete Calhoun. <laughs>